You're listening to On Point Discussion, exclusively on the Lounge Room Network. Former Vice President Joe Biden will win Pennsylvania and Nevada, putting him over the 270 electoral votes he needs to become the 46th President of the United States. Here are your hosts, Juan Gutierrez, Julius Porter, Wyatt Cornelius, and Rhino Alberts. Ladies and gentlemen, what is going on? On Point Discussion on this Wednesday night, uh, June 2nd, 2021. Hope you all are having a good day thus far. I'm here with my uh, three co-hosts, Rhino, Wyatt, and Julius. You can find them each at Sports Talk Rhino, at The Fifth Top, and at The Cornelius Seven. We are joined tonight with Nick Faber from the Honolulu Blue Show, one of uh, Julius's good friends. Uh <laughs> It's been it's been a while since we've uh, we've been trying to get you on. So how how are you, Nick? How's it going? Welcome I'm to uh, welcome to on point discussion. Thank you for having me on. First and foremost, we like tried in October. Next thing you know, it's like what what month? We're in June now. So <laughs> this year seems to be flying by, but I'm just happy to be here. I just drove like eight hours from Florida up to Tennessee. Got to Tennessee. Got into Gatlinburg. Settled in, have a couple white claws. Yes, we're drinking seltzers. <laughs> no one can make fun of that right now. And uh, I'm just oh, happy I love to seltzers. Be here. Hey, go <laughs> cheers to that, man. We, we, uh, I, I hold, I have no animosity towards, uh, <laughs> towards seltzers whatsoever. Uh, maybe the guys over on our beer review page do, but I, I'm okay with that. Uh, see the Honolulu Blue guy, Blues guys are already uh, commenting on the show. Glad they know that you're on, Nick. <laughs> I look forward to a lively discussion here in a few minutes. But I go around the room, of course. Rhino, how are you? Happy Wednesday. How's it going? Uh, it's going great. Um, I've worked approximately 24 hours over the last two days, so I am uh, a little tired. But um, I have coffee, so uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm doing great. That's awesome to hear. That's awesome to hear. Uh, Wyatt, how are you? Happy Wednesday to you, sir. Happy Wednesday. I'm so happy that Julius is finally not outnumbered in the show. He finally has somebody to tag team with. <laughs> that'll that'll come in handy later on when we uh, when we start trash talking Detroit. And last but not least, Julius. How's it going, sir? What's going on? It's going great. I'm glad to have my boy Nick on. Uh, we've been going strong over at um, the Honolulu Blues, formerly Lions Brawl, for like over a year now. And it's getting, you know, we just love it. And I'm glad he's on the show. Glad you could join us, man. Absolutely. Well, yeah, let's get right into it, guys. I know uh, we ended up starting a little late. That's my fault. Technical difficulties, of course, it happens in the digital era here. But let's go ahead and get started with some of the big uh, news stories of the week, of course. Uh, first and foremost, Tulsa, Oklahoma, ladies and gentlemen. So President Biden this week became the first president uh, in about 100 years who went down and visited uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, of course, 100 years ago. Uh, probably one of the worst massacres, honestly, that uh, happened uh, with a lot of uh, African-Americans dying in a very predominantly uh, pretty well-off section of the city of Tulsa. And, you know, up until this point, there hadn't been a president, a sitting president, who had gone down to commemorate what had happened until Joe Biden went 
I believe he was there yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so we have this going on now. And as a result of that, right, uh, President Biden has tapped Vice President Kamala Harris to lead this, uh, you know, to, to help with getting voting legislation passed for, you know, disenfranchised uh, African-American voters, of course. So I want to start off with, you know, putting this question out there for the group. Um, you know, just a broad question, right? You know, is there really truly a problem with uh, voter accessibility in this country? Uh, whoever wants to go first, um, I already see Rhino shaking his head no, so Rhino, go for it. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? I, I would love somebody to point out where voter suppression exists in America. You know how easy it is to vote? I went online, I registered to vote, I went down to the voting booth, I voted. Why is that any different for whether you're black, white, yellow, green, red, purple, it doesn't matter. The same voting ability has... There is some feedback going on a little bit, and I'm not sure who it is. Who's Is somebody echoing? There, it's gone now, gone now. All right, anyways, I apologize, anyways. Uh, the same voting ability exists for every human being on, on, in this nation. I mean, there's no, there's no voter suppression. There's no, there's no voter rights that are denied to a certain group of people. Everyone has the same ability to vote. And I, I just, I don't understand where this conversation is even coming from. We all have the exact same ability to vote. This isn't, you know, this isn't something you could slap a label on and, and say it's a problem because there is no problem that exists. I, I need to know where this problem exists. You know, we talked about this a couple months ago on, on a, a Saturday special that we had for On Point Discussion. You know, knowledge of voting may not exist for certain communities, and that's fine. But if you want to talk to me about voter suppression, get to the real issue. Don't just tell me that black people can't vote, Mexican people can't vote, Asian people can't vote. Don't tell me that. Tell me where the actual problem is. If there is a, a certain community in America that doesn't have the knowledge of how to vote or how to uh access voting capabilities, then fine, let's focus on that. But there is no voter suppression in America. I, I don't see it. Where is it at? I No one has has given me an explanation as to where voter suppression actually exists. Okay, so according to Rhino, there is no voter suppression in this country, and uh, it is 100% accessible to anyone who is willing to go out and vote. Wyatt and Julius... Your thoughts on your thoughts on those comments. Whoever wants to go first. I mean, right now, bring up some good points. Um, as far as uh, like, is is can anybody, any American citizen who's eligible vote if he or she desires? And the answer to that question is yes. Now, the desire keyword, desire part, right? So when I think when Democrats talk about voter suppression and they're um, they're criticizing these these laws that some of these Republican states are passing, they're they're upset that 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 the desire that's the that's the key word because the Democrats want to try to get those lower class of people who may not have the knowledge, regardless of 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 a race. Um, it's almost it's not even a race thing. It's more of a class thing, because usually poor people uh, of all colors have uh, either don't have the desire to vote or the know how. So Democrats want to make that desire more accessible for for those for those people. Um, 
But it so I mean I understand kind of both sides on this. I do, and I'm usually not a both sides person <clears throat> when it comes to this. But I, I'm not totally against the new laws because I do think that I I do think that's securing the vote and not really denying it. Um, I do believe it's securing the vote and not really denying it. I repeat that. Um, but I do understand that Democrats want to want to broaden the horizon uh, for lower class people so those lower class people can provide those Democrats with votes. That's the main idea. Yeah, I, you know, I definitely agree that I think, uh, I think specifically in like the rural areas of this country, it can be a little more difficult specifically when it comes to uh, being able to drive out to the local DMV, which is maybe, you know, 20, 30 miles away from where you're at to get an ID or some sort of identification to vote. And there goes my phone, but <laughs> my tablet. But, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think that it's to the point where, uh, you know, a vast majority of, of individuals in this country just don't have that access to, uh, to, to get some sort of form of ID to, to go out and vote. Right. But, uh, Wyatt, I want to get your thoughts on this and then, uh, Nick, you can, uh, you can chime in of course as well. But what what do you think about that? I mean, is that is that too much of a general like blanketed statement wide, or am I, uh, am I am I hitting it on the nose here? No, I don't see how it's hard for um, you know make it accessible for everybody to get get a government issued ID. You need it to drive. You need it to to buy cigarettes, to buy alcohol, to go in a casino, some establishments. I don't know what's so hard about showing your ID when you go to vote face to face. They need to have some rules in place for if they're going to do mail-in voting. And I know some Republican states are trying to push for that. Um, but I don't see how hard it is. Like, everybody needs a government-issued ID. You need it to get on a plane now, right? I mean, you can't just go and walk on without a government-issued ID. It's really not that hard. It's really accessible. Why don't they have programs or money available so everybody can be issued an ID um, when you turn 18? Um but I just feel like the Democrats are just widely putting this out where it's, oh, it's Jim Crow laws. Oh, you're you're segregating people. That's not it at all. They don't even understand what the Jim Crow laws were. And compared now, everybody can vote. So I think it's just ridiculous for them to put that out there um, because maybe um, some aspect they want to manipulate the votes or something or extra votes. I mean, it just seems like that from from my aspect is just putting that shit out there just so they can manipulate the the votes or or whatever i don't know but get a government issued id show it if you're going to face to face have something in place for mail in voting so we don't have any fraud and we have a you know a legit democratic election just reading through some of these comments here in the uh some of the comments we're getting, and I'm sure you guys are seeing them too. Uh, we have Adam, of course, who, you know, saying that, you know, it's a, it's a mix of desire to vote. And then also that other uh, aspect, which is of course uh, having the access to vote. Right. So Nick, I want to get your thoughts on this. What, what are your thoughts on, on voter, uh, you know, voter accessibility? I mean, is, is this problem or is this issue, a, a significant problem that you think absolutely needs to be addressed? Uh, why or why not, in your opinion? So, no, 
right? No, I don't think this is something that's like most pressing in any way. But I also think everyone who just answered this is looking at this as the most black and white answer. It's easy for me, so it should be easy for everyone. No, that's so wrong. That's so wrong. Go down and try to go into the, the, the downtown Detroit, the inner, the inner cities, and go try to vote and look at those lines. When you went and voted, how long did it take? You didn't mail in. How long did it take? 20 minutes? 10 minutes? You go down, you see lines literally six hours. Now, I'm not saying that that is like, well, that, that, does, that's, that makes it harder for people to vote. No, but there's just different things that go in the minds. There are other people that are at those lines, like kind of like pushing and pressing. And it, it's just, it's, it's not as black and white. It's not so... You got an ID, you might as well go vote. Like, it's just not like that. You really need to break this down to the, the like, but we, we said the accessibility, the knowledge, the know-how, right? The understanding, the want, the desire. There's a lot of things that go into the voting in itself. I, I don't think that there is a lack of availability to go vote for anyone. Like, I, I'm not going to disagree with anyone, but I think the way that everyone just made this sound like if you didn't go vote, you're just a dumbass. I think that's terrible. I think there's a lot of ways that you won't you won't go vote even if you have a government ID. So I just I I, I don't think that there's a, a lack of accessibility, but I do think that it's it's not so cut and dry in my opinion. And, and, and but I don't I mean but I don't know I don't know I don't know. That's just a quick little thought. Uh, I'd I'd like to respond to that very quick. I mean you, you make a very good point, Nick, and that's that was my original point uh, earlier, and of course in our our podcast a couple months ago. That is, a, that is a real issue. So if you present me with a real issue, I would love to focus on that. If the inner city areas like your Detroit's, your Milwaukee's, your Chicago's, your New York's, your Los Angeles, if the wait in line is too long and people lose interest in voting and they leave, let's focus on that. Let's get funding to open up more voting booths. Let's get funding to reach these inner city areas where the people don't have the knowledge to vote and teach them what they have to do to go vote. That is fine. I'm all about that. But to... To look at this issue as a voter suppression issue or a racial issue, I think it's wrong because there is you said there's no black and white in this in terms of, you know, like there's a gray area, but there's also no black and white this as a racial area either. It affects all people of, of all colors. So you present a real issue and I'm all about fixing that real issue. But the narrative that there is any voter actual voter suppression in terms of racial discrimination in, in America, that does not exist. Everyone has the exact same right and the exact same ability to vote. It's that knowledge, that accessibility, and that that wherewithal to vote that needs to be enhanced. And that I'm all about. I think one of the one of the issues um, <clears throat> I know here in Wisconsin, for example, when it comes to like uh, I know Democrats have been pushing, for example, for like the DMV to be open longer, to have longer hours, uh, to have more, uh, to have Saturday hours, right? Because you have people who are working during the week who maybe don't have that opportunity to go and, you know, get an ID or to get a driver's license to prove that they can vote. I think that's one of the things that, uh, at least here in Wisconsin, uh, that's a pressing issue in, in my book, right, is for you know, if you want to vote and you have the means to get somewhere to vote and get your identification to go out and, and cast your ballot, you should be able to do that without any any limitation. So 
when it comes to you know to to making sure that our our, our services are available to readily available to the general public, I think that we definitely need to expand on that. Now, <clears throat> I know a few months back when when the, the the Georgia law was getting passed, right, where they were saying that they were they were going to restrict, uh, I think like water, um, you know, like you couldn't drink, they couldn't pass out water in line, and you know we were doing all that. That was a whole big uh, big topic of conversation, right? I think those kinds of measures are. I don't want to. I don't want to say that they're they're scare tactics, but I think they're. I think that they almost serve a psychological purpose of, of maybe even like intimidating you know people or or, or trying to, to maybe cause some sort of intimidation. Uh, you know, sorry, I'm, I'm just reading comments here, Darcy. You know, they they should have the post office open more hours too. I 100% agree. I think the post office definitely needs to be open uh, longer hours, but. You know, just why? It just why? I don't understand why there's always like this conscious effort to, to almost want to like scare people from going to do a civic a civic duty. I guess in that regard, um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that was just like a tangent. I just went on, but it, I don't know. I just it seems to be a common pattern that I see, and you know, we should be making it easier for people to vote, not not more difficult. To cycle back around to something you did just say, too, the DMV is a huge issue in Michigan right now. Huge issue. Mm -hmm. You see at least 50% of cars driving without license plates, which causes concern. There's a hit and run. How are you supposed to figure out what car that is? Someone hits a person. Right. How are you supposed to figure out who that is? Someone steals something. How you, I haven't renewed my tabs in two years. I don't need to. <laughs> Officers aren't going to come arrest me. They aren't pulling me over because secretary, secretary of state for the state of Michigan. I truly to God hope that you are not listening to this. Come on down and get me. You know what? I'll, try to make, I'll try to make an appointment in 2024. Maybe the first time I can get into that DMV. So yeah, by 2024, maybe I'll have a new renewed tabs, but it's terrible there. And I know this isn't even on the discussion tab of the day, but you brought it up and I was just reading an article about this. It's terrible. The way this, like, Something has to be done about that. It's it's asinine for at least Michigan. And again, and you kind of mentioned about uh, what you say, uh, Illinois, or uh, but at least in Michigan, it's terrible, and it needs to have something done. And if the Secretary of State needs to listen to me say I haven't renewed my tabs in two years, for them to actually start making moves and start making actions and start opening up these hours, then I'm fucking happy to be it. And I'm sorry for my language, but I am. <laughs> I see Brandon is dropping some comments in here, uh, you know, talking about how a certain party has an agenda. Well, you know, that, that's, that's definitely a good point. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that they, you know, that they don't have an agenda, but I think it's also important to look at the fact that both parties in this country clearly, clearly have agendas solidified. So, you know, I don't think it's fair to, uh, you know, to say that just one party has an agenda and the other one doesn't. They both do equally, and I think it's important that we recognize that. But, uh, you know, with the DMV issue, uh, I think what it all comes down to as well is, uh, you know, bureaucracy. And that that's something that I've always been against, you know, the, the government running things. And uh, obviously DMV is run by the government, the state government for that matter. But uh, I think that until it becomes a private, you know, entity, it's not going to, you know, that's not really going to change. But if I may expound well, just again, very, ahead, very, ahead, very, very right, quickly, go ahead, go ahead, very quickly, um, we, it, it's 2021. Why the hell aren't more services accessible online for the DMV? 
It's 2021. There's not Identi- one single reason. I'm aware of that. I'm, I'm aware <laughs> of that. But in Wisconsin, I can print off my driver's license online. And I can use right. that as a government ID. I flew to Florida one time four years ago with a piece of paper that had my driver's license on it. And that's no joke. That's the honest God truth. You can walk into any bar. In the I did that too. I did that too. I caught a plane. When I joined the army, I caught a plane to Georgia with a piece of paper as my ID. <laughs> it's true. True story. Yeah, I know in Wisconsin. Things are a lot stricter, now. stricter they, now. Yeah, I know in Wisconsin they give you like the paper, uh, you know, the paper driver's license until you get like your actual card. It's only temporary. It only it only lasts yeah, like I think yeah, two or three weeks, temporary. but it's still a usable government ID. So why right. aren't these resources available nationwide, especially during voting times? Why, if I can hop on a, a plane and fly to any state in America with a piece of paper, if I can go buy booze. If I can use this piece of paper to go register for a car, to buy a gun, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, why isn't it that easy to do to vote for the president, to vote for your governor, to vote for your local representatives? Darcy drops a comment in here. Uh, DM calm down, Darcy. Don't, 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 don't. We calm down. Calm. We try to go do it in person here. I'm, try, I'm liking not spending hundred months, hundred dollars. I, I just want to say to Darcy, she could have stopped right before the dot dot dot, where it says we all know the DMV is the worst place to go because that is an absolute one hundred percent objective fact. The DMV is horrible, absolutely horrible. <laughs> All right, let's. If any, uh, does anyone else have any final thoughts on this topic before we move on to our next uh, our next segment here? I love you, Darcy. <laughs> Me too, <laughs> but only as friends. <laughs> All right, let's talk. Let's talk oil. Let's talk Alaska. So, uh, President Biden again has frozen any oil drilling <laughs> leases uh, for the you know for Alaska. So. Obviously, back when he first took office, I think the first executive order he issued was the pipeline, the XL pipeline that he halted. And now we're, uh, this is also, I think, partially uh, as a result of that, too. I think I was reading earlier that the the executive order that he signed in January, I think, also plays a role into this Alaskan uh, drilling, right, and the implication that this is going to have. So how, first and foremost, right? I know, I know for a fact, or I can, I can almost say with full objectivity that the four of us, uh, Rhino, Wyatt, Julius, and myself, of course, were all against the uh, pipeline stopping construction back in, in January, right? Nick, I, I'd like to know your thoughts on this because I, this, this will kind of shape the way that this conversation will go, right? And I know it wasn't exactly in the, uh, here in the outline, but I just want to get your thoughts when 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 President Biden stopped the uh, Keystone, the uh, the XL pipeline, what what was your reaction to that uh, when you when you heard that that had happened? Hmm, what a good question. I mean, I didn't like jump out of my seat. I didn't think that this is like you, there's there's a couple ways to look at it, right? I mean, why 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 did he do it? Right? Seems like he, we're we're trying to really get ourselves kind of moving setting ourselves up for the future right for 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 the the greenhouse effect right we're trying to do what we can to help our planet for our children's 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 children and i think that's beautiful but you can lose jobs in the here and now there's a lot of things that happen in the here and now 
uh, that, th that take effect. So, I mean, I, I, I see both sides on this. It's a tough one for me to start with because it, I, I, I can see the argument being made for both sides. I, I, I didn't, but I didn't like, I, I didn't cry over it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, and that, and that's, uh, and that, that's the reason I asked you that again is because this also leads nicely into this, this Alaskan oil drilling leases, you know, the, the situation that's happening out there, because now we ask, a lot of the same questions, right? What are the implications of this suspension of activity on those oil leases, right? What's going to happen to the economy? What's going to happen to those jobs, you know, in that state? So, of course, positives, right? You know, the environmental factor. But I think the question we need to ask ourselves then, right, is does one outweigh the other? And if so, which one? I mean, that's, that's kind of how I think we're going to have to approach this. So, um, whoever wants to, you know what, Julius, you want to open the segment up? You are more than welcome to. I, I know you're just dying to, dying cool to say me. something on her. You, you asking, <laughs> you asking what's going to happen, Juan? Yeah, what yes. is going to happen? The, can anybody guess what's going to happen? I can tell you what's going to happen. Gas is going to be three dollars and eighty-five cents a gallon, <laughs> and you're going to be mad, especially if you got a truck. You're going to be pissed. And you're not going to care about the environment as much as you think you do when you broke from gas. So this is pretty much what this going to come to. Which one outweighs the other? Honestly, I want to see the environment clean. You know, I do. But they got to work around it some way so it doesn't affect our pockets and our economy as bad as I'm thinking it will. OK, so how do you do that? I don't know. Joe Biden, the president. He got a whole team. He should know this. But if he wrecks the economy on behalf of environmentalism, ain't nobody going to care. Ain't nobody going to care because the number one topic, the number one concern of Americans for the last 200 years in every general election, the number one concern was the economy, was their pockets every time so until environmentalism which is which is moral moral just you know you you do care about the environment until that comes up to the importance of your pockets and how much money you have in your wallet he's gonna have to find a way he's gonna have to find a way to work around it or he's gonna get blamed for it we're all gonna be paying four dollars a gallon for gas and i'm gonna be punching air i mean you do it every day anyway so i don't understand what the difference would be i would continue uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rhino, is there a trade-off here? Do we find a way to work around the environmental uh, issue and cut a Wyatt? Right. My headphones died. <laughs> yes, I'm just glad I'm not the only one with technical issues today, guys. That's all that matters. Oh, I'm Wyatt, back. I'm back. Why I'm back. Go ahead, Wyatt. Go ahead, Wyatt. Go ahead, Wyatt. Go ahead, Wyatt. Mine yeah, will be Wyatt. short. Um, I think it's just irresponsible to Go cut on. it off so soon. I mean, you should have like a slow, like a plan in place or just slowly kind of like taper off if you want to have, he, I guess the projection is 2035. He wants hundred percent renewable energy, but I think just to pull it off responsibly, people losing jobs right away um, is just, is just irresponsible by his organ by, by the administration. So I think it, sh it shouldn't have been done so quickly there should have been a plan in place to slowly you know take away the drilling if this is the projection you want for 2035 to have 100 percent renewable energy 
I hear I hear someone clapping. I don't know who that is, but no, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, mic <okay>. drop. <laughs> Rhino, go ahead with your thoughts. I sorry about cutting you off. There. So the first the first thing that I I am a little upset about is Biden is continuously drawing us back from independence from foreign oil. The more and more you become dependent on foreign oil, the more and more you're going to pay for it. If you are a country like Iran or one of these Middle Eastern oil-dependent countries and you have America coming to you saying, hey, I need 100,000 barrels. Hey, I need 500,000 barrels. Hey, I need a million barrels. If you see that demand continue to grow, I don't know, guys. Uh, you know, you bought 500,000 from us last month. It's going to have to go up 20 bucks a barrel this time. That's, that's one risk you take by becoming dependent on foreign oil. The next thing is, with this, this whole uh, you know, renewable energy by 2035, it's complete horseshit. And I'll tell you why. Have you ever seen a lithium battery mine? All of these electric cars running around on the, on the streets right now, your Teslas and all that shit. Have you ever seen a lithium battery mine? It is one of the, envi- it's, it's one of the unsafest environmental mines on the planet. They are garbage. They are horrible for the environment. Not only that, all of the plants that build uh, you know, solar panels or build wind turbines, they're all generated by diesel engines. Trucks that are transporting them are powered by diesel engines. How are we, we going to become dependent on renewable energy by 2035 if we have a billion trucks on the, on, the, on the road that are run by diesel energy? If we have all of this equipment that is, that is mining this stuff and manufacturing this stuff that are run off of diesel energy, oil, gasoline, there's no real plan in place to become dependent on renewable energy. All of this stuff is already manufactured by fossil fuels. So you can't just start pulling shit saying, oh, we're going to become dependent on renewable energy when there's no real plan to manufacture this renewable energy. What's the plan in place right now? There, there's no actual plan in place. Are you going to have a solar-powered factory? I don't see where, – where are those Where are those at? Where is, where is an entire solar-powered factory in America where they have no power coming in off the grid? And all of the machinery in there is run off of solar energy, wind energy, water energy. Where are those plants at? I would love to see the one plant in America that runs off of 100% renewable energy. How do you expect us to get there in 13, 14 years if we don't even have the foundation laid to get there? Because you need just, to lay a foundation. How I, but do, I, how I understand that, but... No, 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 hold on, hold on. Answer your own question real quick. How do we get there? Answer it. Like, like I would love to know what you think we should do to get ourselves away from this... Go to New Zealand and stay in New Zealand for a quick second. Tell me how sunburned you get. Because there is no... There's no cover there, right? Right, right. So, so there's got to be a point. Sorry, my thumbs are probably. How do you do it? So, I would like to know, like, how do you think we do it? Because, in my opinion, there isn't a good way. But the way that we're starting it, the way that we are doing it, and the way that we're getting ourselves out of the hole that Donald Trump dug us in, uh, getting us out of the climate change, we see what the what French, what uh, uh, blah, 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 some overseas country that I can't draw a blank right now, I'm drawing a huge blank on right now, has already gone to, to as much as they can, right? So what we're doing right now is we are setting ourselves up for the future, hopefully. Do we, can any of us look into the crystal ball in 2035 and see if it's going to work? No. 
But you know what I can tell you is if we didn't try right now in 2035, we wouldn't be working. We wouldn't even have a chance. So what you're saying is for us not to even try because there is no set plan in action. Golly gee, what are we talking about? We have to be, we have to be the next ones, right? We have to think, we have to think smart. We have to think better. We have to think future. Julius, I know you have kids. Anyone else on here have kids? Anyone? Okay. Why are we not thinking for their children? Why are we thinking about our, some dude in Wyoming, his job right now, instead of your kids, your children's children, and the way that they live their life? Because if we allow Joe Smith in Wyoming to keep his job today, you know who's not going to have a job in 20, 30 years? Your kid. That's what's going on right now. That's why we need to set ourselves up for our future right now. And it may not be the best idea. It may not be the best idea. But you know what? It's an idea. And this idea is better than Donald Trump's golfing idea. There is no way that you can sit here and look at this and tell me that you aren't trying. You aren't trying at least. So uh, I, just, so, a, just a, oh, no, 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 he, he asked me, so I'm going to answer right. it. Yeah, I'm going to answer it. Right. Uh, so just to, just to expound <laughs> on the, on the hole that Donald Trump dug us in, just, just to give you a little bit of an example, when Donald Trump pulled us out of the Paris Accords a couple of years ago, saving the nation's billions of dollars annually, America actually took the biggest step back in CO2 emissions. Every other nation took a step forward in CO2 emissions. That's one thing. Another thing is I'm all about a plan for renewable energy. I want that. I would love to see uh, less dependent on fossil fuels and more dependent on, on renewable energy. The point that I'm trying to make is we're pulling plugs before we even have an idea as to what we're going to do. What? It sounds you like can't you can't just... Yeah. I mean, you we, can't. We, no, we have a 2035 idea. That's a 12-step program. I mean, you, you can't lease off the Yukon XL pipeline, letting these guys lose their jobs in Alaska to not be able to drill. You make yourself less dependent on 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 American oil and more dependent on foreign oil. That's going to have implications for the economy. Then, where's the money going to be? Where's the money going to come from to become dependent on renewable energy? So you're already putting yourself in a hole economically, and then you have no plan to go forward with renewable energy. You can't start pulling plugs before you have a plan in place to go forward so you can pull the plugs. Sometimes you got to take one step back to go five steps forward, sir. Go ahead, Julius. Sounds like a true progressive you are, Nick. <laughs> Uh, I, I agree. I agree with Rhino. I was I was actually going to say one of the same same thing as Rhino said as, as far as uh, you know, where the money part. Where this all this costs money. It costs trillions of dollars. And if we're gonna if he's gonna be shutting down pipelines and and killing jobs and the economy taking and gas prices going up, I'm telling you, it's gonna be hard to. How do you get the money to start? I mean, it'd be great to start. Listen, just start small. You ain't got to start big. That's all that I think. I mean, little by little, instead of 2035, I don't know, shoot for 2060. Don't tell me the world ended in 20, 2040, 20, 2050, all right? Make, make, have realistic goals, okay? Is that so hard to ask for? You're right, Nick. I do got a kid, kids, and I think about their future every single day. And I don't want I don't want the world to end in 2050 environmentally, but is it going to? I mean, if you look at the science, it's not likely. But you can help the world out without going so big. 
like like Joe Biden and and the progressives of the world want to do. That's just my only opinion about it. Don't forget the cow, don't forget the cow manure that releases a whole bunch of toxic air into the uh, atmosphere too. That would add thirty minutes on the show. Let's <laughs> all just stop drinking milk. You know what I mean? Exactly. The, well, the, 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 only thing I, the only thing I wanted to add was I know you were mentioning about the you know the Joe Smith in Wyoming, right? You know it's. It, the thing, you know, the thing with the, the whole pipeline and when it got shut down and when they lost their jobs, right, you know, it's, it was a matter of, okay, executive order, it's happening, it's happening right now, it's over, right? We were so adamant about uh, transitioning over into this clean energy, right, renewable energy, but then the people that you want to end up taking those jobs in the future Right, you're th you're throwing them out to the curb with an executive order on the first day. You're not you're not the if the government is taking their job in that way, then the government government needs to have something lined up right away to give them another alternative or another job or another another set of, of training skills. Right, because when you take a whole population out of working on that pipeline that they were doing and back in you know when when Biden took office, and you tell them that they're out of a job. Where is the replacement? Where is the, where is the, the, uh, you know, okay, we took your job. Here's what you can go do now until we get you back to a job that is suitable for what you know how to do or that you are trained to do. That, that is what, that is what pissed me off the most about that day one executive order was that he literally just threw all these people out to the curb and said, well, we're going to go green now. Good luck. Biden. Okay, told well now, him, well, Joe Smith, Joe Smith in Wyoming is out of a damn job. Listen, Biden told them to I learn mean, to code. He told them to, Biden told them to learn to code. Okay, that's so you can't do that in, in, that's so disrespectful. in three days. You can't. You know do what that. it's comparable to? It actually reminds me a lot of the car industry in Detroit in the in the seventies and the eighties. How they uh, just shut down all these factories. And Detroit didn't have no backup plan and the economy busted open like the world has never seen. And, and Detroit became Detroit. That's what it reminds me. I, I know it's different scales of, of, of time and, and, and place, but is that kind of br brunt impact on, on a on a population of workers? You're right, Juan. You, you, you see that also here on a, on a more local scale. Uh, what happened here in the small town of Janesville, Wisconsin, actually, about. Uh, I want to say like 25 minutes from where I grew up originally over in Janesville, there, there was the General Motors plant. And I do recall in, I think it was like in 2006, uh, I was, I think I'm, oh God, I must've been, I was like 12 or 13 at the time, but we went to the General Motors plant and I, you know, they gave us a whole tour of the, of the factory, the campus. It was a beautiful factory. I mean, it was state of the art. By 2008, that factory was gone, you know, and all of those people that were that were working at GM, you know, Janesville, Wisconsin, right now is basically a rust city. I mean, it's a it's a rust town. There's nothing in Janesville anymore that is that is there besides the large Mercy Hospital complex. I think that's the largest employer, if I'm not mistaken, in the whole city. The but town plummeted. Plummeted. The, the 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 town plummeted because of of that exact same domino effect that you saw with what what happened with this. This pipeline just abruptly ending back in you know January twenty uh, first or whatever it was, 
it's it's just you can't you can't displace people of their jobs and then just expect them to go learn something in in two to three business days. That that's just not going to work. And I I just want a, a very quick comment, and I'll let Wyatt hop in here so he can he can comment on this too. But it, it seems to it seems to me like the Democrats are going this this clean energy route, this this renewable energy route as as kind of like political theater. You know, you have a lot of these these liberals and a lot of people on the left who are like, oh, we need to get away from uh, fossil fuels. We need to get towards renewable energy. And that's fine. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with that concept. I'm not disagreeing with that paradigm shift. But it, it, it seems like it's a lot of political theater because a lot of the steps that are being taken in America to go forward towards renewable energy are very large steps without the consideration of the ramifications that these steps are taking. No one is starting small. I mean, we saw AOC in New York roll out a, a $40 trillion plan for her Green New Deal. How the hell could you ever expect our nation to do that? You have to start small. Give us a foundation. Give us the stepping stones. Give us a, a path to climb. And then once we start getting to these bigger areas, then start pulling back from fossil fuels. Then start pulling back from these jobs. Juan's right. We do need resources. We do need training for these guys. How can you take a guy that's worked on an assembly line for 25 years, 30 years, and say, hey, your job no longer exists, but we want you to go over here and work on these solar panels that you have zero knowledge of? So that's, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's, what I, that's what I have to say. Wyatt, oh, go ahead. you haven't said anything in a while. Wyatt, jump in here. Yeah. Wyatt, you're on mute, bud. Oh, there you go. There you go. There you go. Like I said, I think our um, our economy, um, we're trying to move towards a more like renewable energy. Um, people are recycling more. I'm, I'm conscious of that. You have to be conscious. Like, you know, as a in, as an American citizen, you have to look at your um, your individuality. Are you recycling? I know it sucks to recycle. It, it's, a, it's a chore sometimes. It's easier to just throw stuff away. But are you doing it as an individual American? Um, what are you doing to kind of help your part to kind of help with the renewable energy? I know we're moving towards more like solar panels. A lot of people are having them are doing solar panels. So I think you guys are right. You just have to kind of just slowly process to try to get to that renewable energy hundred percent. I know you, it might not be obtainable right now, but I think there need to take small steps and not just cut things off. Like we mentioned, um, we were talking about it there, there there needs to be steady continuity uh that's the only way that any of this that's getting proposed is you know it, it's going to work you can't you're not going to have a sh you're not going to have these sharp turns where say okay you're done here now go do this over here i mean that's just it's not going to happen and, and i it's just not feasible but that's i mean again that's the way i see it um you want to start throwing people into the uh, the green, you know, the green environment or whatever, the, the the renewable energy. Start training them while they're working on these gas lines, on these gas plants, and then by the time that they that they want to start shutting those down, these workers will have the training at least necessary to start with their new green jobs, and then that we can get some of that flowing transition going, so that there isn't any inconsistency. I think that's the way you have to do it, otherwise this entire plan that they want to do by what 2035 we said it's going to go straight to hell and it's not going to it's it's not it's not feasible it's absolutely it's, not feasible whatsoever it's impossible impossible mm -hmm. any final thoughts nick before we uh we switch gears here a little bit 
No, no, no. Just a great show. Like, you know, we all have differing opinions. It sounds like you four are on <laughs> one side, leaving me on the other side. But that's okay, because it's a great show. We can be able to converse it. I hope I didn't sound too aggressive. or I just No, I, about I appreciate your nope. opinion, Nick. Exactly. No, I know opinion. you're the man, no, dude. Like, I don't even really know you, but not. I was, like, coming at you hard. But that's just because I get passionate. It's a fun show. You know what I mean? Like, no, I, I sincerely appreciate the passion. That's one thing that I do enjoy. No matter what side you're on, if you could be passionate about something – but calmly have that conversation and not start insulting or yelling or, or going off. I appreciate that. And I do appreciate your conversation so far tonight. So hell yeah, but no, nothing else to go on. Great conversation. Anyone who is listening, I hope they can go and do research. I hope that's what we sparked. You know what I mean? Just there mm-hmm. now, they're, now hopefully someone out of at least one person goes, reads an article and, and gets an opinion, their, their own opinion. That's awesome. The this entire uh, Nick, I know this is your first time on here, and I just want to I just want to get this out real quick before we switch into the sports realm here in the second half. But you know, th- this entire show, and I'm sure Julius has you know has probably mentioned this to you, was founded on that principle of having open discussion and having lively discussion, but also maintaining a, a level of decency and, and respect and common ground uh, when it comes to the way that we all communicate with each other. So. Um, there, you know, there's nothing you said in your, in your rebuttal or in your argument was, uh, taken the wrong way. And mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. I know that I can see that you're passionate. Uh, Rhino sees that of course, in the way that, you know, you were asking him questions about it. Um, so we, we, we do appreciate that. And, and, you know, and it makes the show fun. It really does. You know, we're all able to, to be in here, you know, obviously get a good laugh every once in a while. And I saw Julius was smirking down there too. And <laughs> that's because Julius uh, knows you know. all about when I get real passionate and start yelling. Yep. I knew that was classic Nick passion rant. That's why I was smiling because I love that. Honestly, I love that. I would, I so, just real, very, very quickly, I apologize, Juan. Very, very quickly, I would rather somebody be passionate about a conversation than. Going to it with just a couple of comments and be like, oh, you're dumb. You're stupid. You're dumb. I, I love the passion because passion means you're educated. Exactly. Passion means you you have conviction behind what you stand behind. And that I'm all about, no matter what your opinion is. Absolutely. 100%. That's that's what we stand for here on, on, uh, on our show. So uh, let's go ahead and move on to sports, guys. Uh, the second half of the show was powered by our friends on at one called Tech. Um, Naomi Osaka. I really hope I said her name right. And if I didn't, I am so sorry. <laughs> uh, withdrawing from the French Open, right, due to some uh, mental health needs or concerns that she has, uh, you know, going on in her life. And my God, guys, the media reaction to this move has been absolutely brutal. And I just want to, I, I wasn't going to do this, Rhino, and I'm sorry, I don't want to put you on the spot, but. Uh, th- there was a there was a tweet that there was a tweet that Rhino sent out earlier this afternoon, and I'm actually as I'm literally sitting here talking, I'm scrolling through your page, <laughs> looking for it. No, go, um, go ahead and throw it out, man, because I, I, I actually I'm, wanted to I wanted to touch on this I, uh, during this segment. Yes, um, I oh God, I'm not even seeing the tweet anymore. Honestly, I don't even know where it went, but it was. It was basically to the extent of uh, one of the reporters who uh, was calling her out because he was basically alluding to the fact that she, because she has a very large amount of, of, of money, right, that she basically didn't have a right to be struggling with the degree of mental health that she was struggling with or that she is struggling with uh, right now. 
I found the tweet too. So when you're ready, I can read it. Go go ahead and go ahead and read the tweet for those who so are watching us live. On this YouTube. this individual's name his name is Michael Tracy, and uh, he's a he's a journalist. I'm not sure for who. He doesn't have any any kind of credentials in his in his bio, but uh, so basically he. He retweeted a Los Angeles Times article. The, the headline of the article said, Naomi Osaka needs empathy and help, not condemnation from showing strength. So his tweet was, she's the number two ranked women's tennis player in the world and her lifetime earnings are $19 million at age 23, but she desperately needs our empathy and help. Okay. And I personally took uh, an issue with this tweet because he's, he's virtually mocking her mental health issues just because she's rich. And I, I had sent a text to a group chat that Juan is a part of and uh, another one of uh, the individuals from the, the Laundry network, network is a part of. And I said, you know, there, there is no dollar figure that exists that can make somebody strong enough to reach out for help. It doesn't matter whether you're dirt poor or you are the richest human being walking the planet. Every single human being is affected by mental health problems whether you're strong enough to deal with them on your own or whether you need to reach out for you know, either help from friends or help from medical professionals, that's fine. But there is no human being on, on planet Earth that is positively affected mental health-wise by a dollar figure. Otherwise, the suicide rate among the 1% would be zero. And it's not. We see rich people that, that have problems with depression all the time. Robin Williams committed suicide a couple years ago. His net worth was, I think, like $100 million. So the fact that she's worth $19 million means absolutely nothing. She obviously was having issues that that was keeping her from being strong enough to reach out for help. And, and finally, she, she, finally, she did. Finally, she woke up one day and was like, look, I can't do this anymore. I need help. I can't keep playing tennis. Tennis doesn't matter. I need to be healthy. I need to be mentally strong. And I applaud her for being a you know, a world-renowned elite athlete and, and just giving up on one of the biggest tournaments that exists in her sport because she wasn't ready mentally. I applaud her for that. And I think this guy, this Michael Tracy guy, is an absolute clown for tweeting out something like that and throwing somebody who has mental issues under the rug, under the bus. I think that's a clown tweet. I, I didn't appreciate that in the slightest bit because I, for one, am someone who has struggled with mental health in the past. I've struggled with depression. I've struggled with anxiety. And it does... I, whether I had $1 or a million dollars in the bank account, that wouldn't have changed the fact that I had anxiety or depression. I still would have experienced that. So I, I absolutely applaud um, this, this woman for doing what she did. I thought it was incredibly brave. I think it's going to open the spotlight for future professional athletes because obviously professional athletes are still human beings at the end of the day. They're going to experience the same trials and tribulations that we experience. They're going to have the exact same problems that we have as normal people. So I applaud her for, for putting herself out there and saying, look, guys, I'm not okay. I need help. And I, I really think it's going to influence, you know, the fans and, and the people at home. Like, you know what, if this famous athlete has mental health issues, then maybe I should address mine. But uh, I, I, I applaud her. I, I think what she did is stronger than any tennis tournament she'll ever participate in. I, I wholeheartedly agree, and you know, in, in the same regard, of course, uh, as many of you know, right? I have my own spew of mental health issues as well, and you know, I I will attest, you know, it, for me, it's not necessarily the 
the monetary factor of it, but it's more so the, uh, you know, just like the leadership factor, right? And, and just and, and just running this network, I mean, you know, having that position of, of leadership at the top, you know, just because I'm, I'm there, that doesn't have me immune to uh, all the other stuff that I'm dealing with. And, you know, again, I don't, I'm not trying to get too personal mm-hmm. here, right? But, you know, there's, you know, there's people on this call who, who, who know that firsthand. And so it's, it's not, it's, it's just not, it's not cool to just brush it off in that, in that regard and just say, well, you know, she's a certain individual with certain amounts of money or, or a certain amount of wealth or power. Uh, she shouldn't have to be going through that. You know, she should be doing her everyday activities like normal. That's, it's inappropriate uh, and it's wrong. And quite frankly, it's, 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 it's sad. It's pathetic. And Chester Bennington, as Darcy says, I mean, that's a good, he's a really good example of that. What happened to Chester? I mean, look at him. The guy was, he had everything and he ended up taking his own life. Um, uh, you know, Jared, Jared Smith down in, in Louisiana, who shot, I just had him on my, on my show last night, you know, odd to think that people still have the mentality that money cures all. And that's, that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. I mean, money is not the all time solution to anything that happens in this world. I personally like to think Julius, that money is well, the worst uh, solution. I apologize about that. I apologize. Just real quick. I think money is the worst solution to mental health. I really do. Because you could surround yourself with all of the toys and gadgets and women and houses and clothing. You can. It's not going to change who you are as a person. I apologize. Go ahead, Julius. My, my apologies. Oh, yeah. Well, um, as far as this situation, it's really sad. And this is why the mainstream media – this is why I don't like the mainstream media. This is why I don't like them. Because as soon as you – even think about criticizing them in any way or not wanting to be connected with them, they get butt hurt. And really, it's just like Trump. (laughs) Like, they got mad because she didn't want to talk to them. Okay, this is the thing. Professionally, let's go professional. She's a professional tennis player, not an amateur. She's a professional. So professionally, okay, she could have did this in a more low-key before the fact, before the French Open started, she played a whole round. Before the French Open started, con- got with the officials and told them where she was with her mental health. So it didn't blow up like this. But I'm not blaming her. I'm just saying professionally, she probably could have did that better. Okay? We all have jobs, and we're expected to do our jobs in a professional manner. And as a professional tennis player, dealing with those mental health issues, she should have let it be known to officials before the French Open. That's besides the point. The way she's being attacked about this is totally sick. It's totally sick. I mean, it's not much more to say that all of you haven't already said, uh, besides Wyatt, who we're going to get to, is that money does not cure mental health. It doesn't. So, to, to I mean, that's not even a, that shouldn't even be a part of the conversation. What should be a part of the conversation is, just let her go take care of herself. Just forget about it. Okay, she made a mistake. I'm sure her agent and endorser and her endorsements, they're going to have a talk about how how not th- this could be avoided in the future so it doesn't look bad on her and lose money. But let her take care of herself. This should not even be a big thing. Uh, Wyatt, do you want to go next? Or if Nick, if you want to jump on, well, whichever one of you two wants to go. Go ahead, Nick. 
Cool. Before I start, I'm in Gatlinburg, and I've been hearing all these ruffles in these trees right next to me. If I get mauled by a bear on this show, it's only ironic, <laughs> and I'll be very okay it with that. It, it wouldn't be the first time a Lions fan gets mauled by a bear, so... It's true. Oh, oh, true. You can knock it off. I swear to God, I swear to God, there are bears that are running out. That, Nick? Uh, all right, How did you walk into that? I'm not even really paying attention right now. I'm trying to worry for my life right now. No, no, no. But um, <laughs> so I'm in the, I'm on I'm on the car ride from Florida to South Carolina yesterday, and we listened to this podcast. I believe it's called Up First. Um, if you haven't listened to it, it's a very good, informative podcast. I also could be wrong about the podcast I was listening to, but it was all about this, and it basically stated that a lot of her mental illness. Or, or healthiness, whatever. I didn't mean to say that, but like a lot of her problem is that she she can't speak out to people. She is not a public speaker in any way, shape, or form. She cannot speak to the media. She doesn't want to speak to the media. If you ask any of her competitors, she is always headphones in. Will not talk to anyone at all. She just doesn't do that. Like that is who she is, and that has become this this point sorry i just read that um that's become like that's the that thing. was the wrong time I, for that comment that's all right that's all right that's all right because honestly if i do it's a good way for me to go out um but the tweet in itself like the dude saying that we can't we shouldn't be empathetic for her right he's I, it, it seems like the clowns wasn't trying to say anything about her mental health it was he was bashing the new york times for the article reading she needs our empathy rather than whatever the other word that you used was um and that's like that's where it comes in it's like, like yes she it doesn't matter how much money she has it doesn't matter about any of that not just for her mental health or anything but for anyone for you me billy bob joe it doesn't matter we should have empathy for anyone who has a mental health risk or, or scare and we should do whatever we can to help them and if that is allowing her to take time off and and, and like rest or or get her rest her mind get her mind right i think that like that's that sucks for that dude to say like what an awful tweet i also saw that tweet rhino like just the most embarrassing obviously he did it for bait obviously all he wants is clicks on twitter obviously all he doesn't have credentials in his bio like you said rhino he doesn't he's a self-proclaimed journalists which is the most embarrassing kind anyone can walk on twitter and become a pundit of anything anyone can become a self-proclaimed anything he calls himself a journalist you know what that means is he probably goes on blog.com and posts random <laughs> shit and calls himself a journalist right and you're like yeah. you're not a journalist my man well then he gets this up because he wants he wants the clout he want he knows that this will get clout he knows that this will either be 50 percent everyone who is dumb as shit will be like, yeah, he's so right. She shouldn't need empathy. She made 55 million. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. 55 million just last year. And that is her net worth right now. But then there's 50% of people that are like, you're an asshole. You're a clown. You're a dumbass. Please, you know, don't come on Twitter anymore. And that's what he wanted was that call. So that tweet was just embarrassing, dumb. All I wanted to do was spark up this conversation, which is good though, because now we're talking about it. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I know the tweet was bad. But at least it, it it does get a lot of people talking. If she would have just said that, and people would have you know people said, ah, okay, then maybe we wouldn't have been talking about it. Maybe some people wouldn't have felt as confident in the future 
to, to do the same thing, to, to, to say, okay, you know what? I don't care if I'm making the most money. I'm the best player at the top of my game, the perennial player right now. I, I, I can't walk away from that. You know what I mean? I can't. Do, she's, she's giving courage to people to do that. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Get your mind right. Always get your mind right. It doesn't matter where you are, who you are, when you are, why you are. Get yourself right. And for her, a $55 million tennis player who's at the top of her game, if getting her mind right is taking time off, and, and, and that's fair for like what the way Julius was saying, maybe she could have done a little bit different. But whatever, maybe it was just now that she figured out, you know what, I'm not talking to the media. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to come up there and just say, I'm here so I don't get fined. I'm here so I don't get fined. She doesn't need to be Marshawn Lynch. She can go out there and just say, uh, man, I was about to cuss, but I won't. I don't know how this show is. She can go out there and be like, fudge you. I'm not going to, I'm not playing. I'm not doing it. You can't make me. And I guarantee you can't stop me from coming back. So I, I, I love the precedent she is setting for the future of sports players and, and, and anyone, anyone, not even just sports players, but just anyone. If you feel like you are like, for anyone who lives in Michigan, Julius probably doesn't even know this anymore because he's lived in Texas for so long. When winter comes, you get seasonal depression. Same with Wisconsin. Same with Minnesota. Same here. Same, same here. Exactly. You yep. get seasonal depression. And, and you, maybe you in your mind say, no, I don't. I drink enough beer. I never get depressed. Not you. But, you know, <laughs> no, me. Was, no, me. Okay. <laughs> me too. But, but I was going to say, people, say you're, you're, you're talking to the right person, Nick. That's, yeah, that's exactly. definitely right. So, but I know a lot of people who don't drink their, their pain away and they – live with seasonal depression and 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 that's a very very hard thing to deal with depression is a very real thing that a lot of people think is fake and a lot of people just don't understand it because they don't and even if they're depressed they don't know it and and that's i, I and i think we're just starting to get the, get the wheels like we're starting to see more and more and more and more of this like be okay with coming out about depression anthony bourdain was one of the saddest things like we, you brought up um, uh, Robin Williams, also very sad. But to me, Anthony Bourdain was my hero. He was, he was my everything. I, I followed everything Bourdain did. And when he hung himself, it was one of the saddest moments. And it was depressed. Like the guy, the guy's job was to travel around and eat food and drink. The best job in the world. Made money. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because depression, no matter what you do, depression is always going to be this little demon. And the best way to fight him or combat him is to talk about it is to, to seek help, to be open about it, in my opinion, at least. I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but that's just the way I look at it. Uh, so, so I love what she did. I am fully on step of the, uh, I, on board with this, um, for this first step in moving the conversation of depression more onto sports topic, more, sports conversations, you know what I mean? More than just something you talk about with your parents or your shrink. Like, now you can openly talk with friends, with family, with you know, spouses and partners. So I, I love it. I'm all about that. The dude who tweeted that, whatever his name was, is, is a huge clown. However, sometimes it takes big clowns to get conversations going. I'm not glad that he tweeted it out, but I'm glad we're talking about it. And uh, just very, quick, very, very quick. I, I apologize very quickly. I have, and I'll get, we'll get to why I apologize. I just wanted to say this. Uh, depression is one of the few things um, in the world right now that, that, discriminates to nobody depression does not know race it does not know sexual orientation it does not know uh religious background it does not know your creed it knows nothing depression hits every single human being on planet earth the exact same 
So it doesn't matter whether you worth a z- you know zero dollars or you're worth a billion dollars. Depression is going to hit every single person the exact same. So I'm glad she did what she did. Wyatt, I apologize. Go ahead. You know, it just still amazes me that people equate money to like happiness and thinking that money discriminates and it won't affect people who have a lot of money when the people with the most money are probably dealing with, with a lot of mental, mental health issues. What I like about Naomi is, and, and other athletes have done this is they um, are raising awareness for mental health. And this is important because a lot of the times where it starts is, you know, when you're, when you're growing up and, Maybe you, you, your parents or you don't talk about it enough um, and, and you're not aware that you have a mental health issue until maybe you're older and you're an adult. Um, and it has no bearing on, on your family, his, your family. Like maybe you just were born with it. Like, you know, anxiety runs in my side of the family. Um, I just I've, I've always and, and I just deal with it, um, you know, in other ways, you know, I'll go out and work out or do something and like that. And I just deal with it. I don't want to take medication. And that's just me personally. Um, But one of the things is as males, sometimes you feel like it's a weakness to have a mental health issue. Like I I remember growing up, like that was kind of like the thing in school, like, Oh, you're, you're just different. That's why you have a mental health issue or something like that. So I, it, it, nowadays it's changing a little bit, but like as males, I feel like it's considered a weakness to have any type of mental health as you go. Oh, you got to tough it out and stuff like that. So hopefully with what Naomi's doing and more athletes come out that it raises the mental awareness and we get things going maybe in schools or in families to talk about these things. I absolutely agree. I mean, it's, it's a matter of having that open line of communication about uh, mental health and having an open dialogue about it. You know, someone, as someone who works in the mental health field every day, you know, I see this and that's definitely something that I know I'm working on with a lot of the, you know, the families that I serve here in, in, in the city of Milwaukee is just being able to have that dialogue with, you know, with other of their family members uh, so that they're all able to support and, and uh, help each other out when of course they all hit a low uh, in their mental health. But Final segment real quick uh, before we get to the uh, the very final point of the of on point discussion tonight. I, I got to ask you, Nick, because I know you're a Lions fan and I do this to, the, to, to Julius every single week. So as you know, or you probably don't know, I don't call the Detroit Lions the Detroit Lions. I call them the Detroit Kitty Cats because they are weak little kitty cats. How do you think your Detroit Kitty Cats will fare in the 2021-2022 season? Give me a give me a prediction, a a record prediction. Uh, I just I, I need to I need to hear. I just need to know how delusional some of the uh, some of the takes are uh, on your end too. Two and zero oh against the Bears. And that's all that matters. <laughs> that's all that matters. <laughs> Juan, you set yourself up for that. Two and oh. Well, <laughs> you you made up for that earlier, Nick. I now 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 I know now I know where Julius gets all those delusional ass takes from. Uh, Nick, you're a bad influence on him. You're, 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 hold on, uh, hold on, just real quick for the last. You're, you're, uh, you're Nick, frauding him out. You're frauding him. Nick. How many wins do you think you'll get against Green Bay? <laughs> Not as many as I want. <laughs> 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 well, hold on. Is Aaron Rodgers still going to be there? Yes. Uh, still probably not as many. As <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Jer- <laughs> you guys got Jared Goff up in the Motor City. Um, how optimistic are you for what he's going to bring to your Detroit Lions uh, team? Um, I'm 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 extremely optimistic. Uh, not for Jared Goff reason. I think Jared Goff can come here and be a game manager. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I expect no better than what Kirk Cousins has done with the Vikings. But I do expect hopefully a playoff team in the next few years. But the optimism doesn't roll with Jared Goff. I think the optimism rolls with Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, the office and the coaching staff that we are bringing in. Those are the two biggest important pieces. You can put my grandma back at quarterback and me at running back. I still think Dan Campbell will get us to win a couple games because he's that freaking good. So I, I'm all about Dan Campbell. Jared Goff, look, Jared Goff has never missed the playoffs in a year. How many playoff wins does he have compared to Matthew Stafford? How many Super Bowl appearances does he have compared to Matthew Stafford? There's no reason for us not to be optimistic about someone who has been a proven winner, regardless of teams, regardless of coaches, regardless of um, you know, players around him. Hold on, hold on. You put Matthew Stafford on that Rams Super Bowl team, and what do you have? Probably not a Super Bowl winner. Oh, you knocked that off. Come on. Matthew Stafford's a better quarterback than Jared Goff. Is Goff the reason they lost the Super Bowl? No. Yes. There was a multitude. No, there was a multitude of reasons why they lost that Super Bowl. They scored 10 points. points. Okay, did any of their running backs or any of their did their offensive line play horrendous in that game? They had C.J. Anderson as their running back, by the way. That, that this game. is the truth. Jared Goff is a good quarterback when he has he's a, time. He's a good quarterback. Throw. Yes, when he yes. has time to throw. When he's being rushed from the pocket, he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league statistically. Look it up. But when he has a clean pocket, he's one of the best, and it's the reason why he's been to two Pro Bowls and did so much and won so many games. Now, can the Lions protect him enough to be productive? That's not far-fetched to say, seeing that we're assembling one of the best offensive lines in the league right I now. Think if oh, I, you I, knocked I, it off, Julian. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're all I, talking about that. I think – I, I, Dead, dumb, the, uh, dead ball that Jared Goff put up against one of the best defensive coordinators of all time, Bill Belichick. What needs to be looked at is who won that game for Los Angeles over Seattle last year with a broken thumb with no love from his quarterback. Jared Goff. How, 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 who won that Detroit Lions versus Cowboys game when we were up going into halftime in the playoffs? Matthew Stafford scored three points in that final half with the best wide receiver, the third best defense, one of the best defensive lines, and a rushing team that couldn't be beat. Believe me, Matthew Stafford is not as good as everyone thinks. Just because he makes amazing throws doesn't mean you're good because sometimes you don't need to throw that amazing throw to be a good quarterback. And sometimes Jared Goff knows best not to throw a ball inside four defenders, even though it gets through all four defenders and Kenny Galladay makes that catch. And we sit there and look at that Chiefs game that the Lions lost. And we're like, wow, wow, Matthew Stafford, no quarterback in the world would ever even possibly be able to make that throw. And you know what? It's like, well, because he didn't need to make that throw. Great throw, but I don't love it. Matthew Stafford had 13 years to win with the Detroit Lions. Quarterback wins isn't a stat, but you give a quarterback – there is no quarterback in the NFL to ever play for a team longer than 10 years to never win a playoff game. You can't just say – When you play with a trash team, though, for 13 years – You can't years, say I mean, for 13 it's, it's years. Do. You cannot many, blame now, the coaching – How many quarterbacks defense, had the front office that Matthew Stafford had? How many of those quarterbacks had the front office that Matthew Stafford had? None of them. 
The front office that brought in Calvin Johnson. The front office that brought in the Dominican Sue. The front office that brought in Taylor Decker. The wide receiver in the first round three years in a row. We did not do it three years in a row. Calm down. Yes, it was three years in a row. You that guys took a wide receiver Matthew in the first Patrick. round three years in a row. That no, was Mike like Williams, 25 years ago. Then there was ago, a skip. Bro, then Roy. Listen. Johnson was the third Mike one. Down. There was Listen. two guys before Nick, him in the first round. Nick is, a known, Nick is a known Stafford hater, okay? This has been – if you listen to our show – he has never been to, even when Stafford was with us and everybody was like, oh, there's hope because we still have Stafford. Nick was like, hell no, I ain't no hope. Stafford ain't going to deliver. And he was right. So to say that Jared Goff, who wins, <laughs> won't come to Detroit and win. With a better team. Stafford, Stafford went to the playoffs three times, then win one playoff game. Okay. That is something Jared Goff probably looks down at. So I'm not going to disrespect. I'm going to wait and see, okay? I'm going to wait and see. I mean, the Bears, I, I have no expectations of until I see Justin <laughs> Fields. Honestly, until Justin Fields shows me, the Bears are going to win four games. The Packers, y'all praying and praying and hoping that Aaron Rodgers don't roast y'all entire existence. And then the Vikings, <laughs> the Vikings are the Vikings. And the Vikings can truly be the team that I've said this on the Honolulu Blues show. They could truly be the team to take it next year in the North. Uh, I don't like the Vikings. I don't like their fans, but that, they may catch everybody else slipping. And if they don't, that, the Lions will. The Lions I have to say will. something. Real that is- I have to say something. I have to say something. I have to say something. The reason I have been off Matthew Stafford, and I still am, really isn't too much about his winning either, is that he gets injured. Last year, he played through it. A couple years ago, he played through it. He plays through it. He's been injured four years in a row. Four years in a row. Los Angeles has one of the worst offensive lines in NFL. They did nothing to improve it this year. They the didn't Rams? have the draft picks to improve it. He is. He will be hurt by week five. The Rams have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, Nick. And it's true, though, it's true, though, that Stafford is low-key injury prone. But if it's he gets true. knocked out in week one, if he gets knocked out in week one, I feel kind of bad, but I wouldn't feel that bad because – we got their first round draft pick. Go ahead and lose some games, LA. I don't want him to get out week one because then everyone, I'll go back on the show and everyone's like, well, we don't know. Stafford really could be really good. And it's like, no, y'all. Stafford is injury prone. He is not that good. You, We all overhype him. The Lions have overhyped him. I'm so happy Jared Goff's in. But I'm not optimistic because of Jared Goff. I'm optimistic about Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes to cycle this whole question around. All right, let's get to the final point. That, that's that's all. That's all the time we're going to do on Detroit because I could I could do this all night, but I I will spare you the I'll spare you the humiliation, Nick. Uh, next you, week, Ron. your buddy Thank Julius you. will will uh, will get it. But <laughs> let's go to the final point. The final point tonight is connected mm-hmm. to you, the viewer, by uh, sponsorship. One call technology. I'm going to give them a call at 1-888-585-8850. Visit them at onecalltech.com. Tell them that one point on point discussion sent you. And they will give you a good rate on your connection. The final point tonight, again, in part and uh, partially also brought to you by our friends over at Fanatics. Rhino, the floor is yours. Take it away. We are one and a half weeks into the NBA playoff season, and we have already had four on-the-court incidents with belligerent, moronic fans. And I, I do not want to hold back in the slightest bit when talking about these idiots because they're on the verge of ruining it for a lot of people. Uh, 
the incidents we've already seen so far, we've seen somebody dump a, a bucket of popcorn on Russell Westbrook. Uh, we saw somebody spit at the gentleman from the Atlanta Hawks. We saw somebody throw a water bottle at uh, Kyrie Irving out of the Brooklyn Nets. And then obviously uh, it was a dude last night or the night before we saw somebody run on the court and try and touch the backboard. Uh, listen, I, I want to say this from the bottom of my heart as a, a, a huge sports fan, somebody who would go to, to any one of the major sports in America, hockey, basketball, football, baseball, it doesn't matter. I'll go watch NASCAR live. I don't care. Um, what the hell are you doing? Seriously, what what drives somebody to go to a professional sporting event and get you know a halfway through it or two thirds of the way through it and then say to themselves, you know what, I'm gonna go make myself look like a fucking idiot on TV and assault people. I don't care what anyone thinks about Kyrie Irving. I don't like Kyrie Irving personally. I don't think he's the smartest individual. I don't like him uh, as, as an athlete. I think he has bailed on multiple teams. He obviously is a great point guard in the NBA. He's one of the elite point guards. But at the end of the day, you don't throw a full bottle of water at somebody from 40 feet away. I don't care who they are. That's assault. You deserve to be in jail, period. And what you're ultimately going to do, you go to a, you go to a basketball arena right now, there's 17,000 fans in the, in the seats. One person is going to ruin it for the other 16,999 fans. Eventually, you're going to get to a point where they don't let people sit courtside no more. What's the marquee seat in all of sports? All of American sports, it doesn't matter. Football, basketball, baseball, hockey. The marquee seat in all of sports is courtside. That's the only place you see celebrities. You see them courtside. Otherwise, you see them up in the skybox where they're away from the idiots. Don't ruin it for the rest of us. Let us enjoy sports. We just went an entire year without being able to watch sports in person. Baseball went like 16 months. Football went an entire season without having fans in the stands. Hockey went almost an entire season without fans in the stands. The NBA had to play all their games in Orlando. Don't ruin it for the people that want to genuinely go there and watch their idols, watch their favorite team, watch their favorite sport and enjoy themselves. Don't ruin it for all of us. Stop being morons. That's all I got to say. Uh, that was uh, that was beautiful, Rhino. I just want to just want to let you know. That was, <laughs> that was very that was very well done. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Favor from the Honolulu Blues has uh, completed his uh, one hour of quote-unquote torture with us here on On Point Discussion. Nick, thank you very dark. much. It's getting a little dark on. up there in the Smoky Mountains, ain't it, man? I was trying to get into a light area. <laughs> I, I saw, we saw the screen, I saw the screen go dark, and I'm like, this guy just logged off on us. I'm in the middle of the, of the, uh, of the show here. <laughs> no, actually, I logged off because I was trying to find the stat that Matthew Stafford is 8-67 and 67 versus winning teams, and Jared oh, Goff is 21-12. and 12, So, also, yeah, Jared, point Jared Goff also played for a better that, front Ryan was saying we should allow fans to throw stuff at players, but we should also allow players to run into the fans and start whooping their ass like Ron. Exactly. Yes. I mean, if you're gonna do it, just take you know, make it like. Kyrie Irving like, should have like, went up there and beat that dude's ass all no. day. He should have <laughs> beat the brakes <laughs> off that dude. If, if you're ready to throw down with Kyrie Irving, throw a water bottle at him. I dare you. Go ahead. I do it, man. Yeah. But when Kyrie Irving comes up there and whoops your ass, or Jermaine O'Neal gives you a freaking blow to the head that knocks you out for three days, man, don't come crying to me. 
So you can but follow Nick Favor. Yeah, you can follow Nick at Nick Favor NFL. Remember, you can follow the uh, what's your Honolulu Blues page, by the way. I don't know what the at is for that one. At Honolulu you know. Blues underscore. There you go. At Honolulu Blues underscore. Uh, Rhino at Sports Talk. Rhino Wyatt at the Cornelia Seven. Julius at the Fifth Top. Yours truly at Bears Fanatic with ninety four. The page at Talks on Points, and of course the Lounge Room Network page as well at Lounge Room Net. Gentlemen, thank you very much for another fantastic show. Very lively debate, uh, some heated debate at times as well, but it was of course all in good, friendly manner. Have a great rest of your work week, everyone. Stay safe. Um, and for those who don't know, for the uh, people who are watching right now, uh, Titletown Lounge on Sunday afternoon at 12 o'clock has, uh, has a live show going on just to the north of the city here. And throughout the next few weeks, we'll, uh, I'm sure uh, Brandon and Rhino will be dropping some more details into what's going to be going on with that. But uh, stay tuned for that. It'll be 100% live from a uh, pub and grill up in the small town of Belgium, Wisconsin. Uh, expected, expected high temp, at least here in West Dallas, according to Rhino, just in Milwaukee, not, not up there. 90 degrees. Nice, hot, warm Southwest. One, you're going to argue it's gonna... meteorology with me again. <laughs> I, I, I literally just said only in West Dallas. Up in Belgium, it's going to be like you know twenty below with the blizzard, according to what Rhino says. But we'll 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 see. We'll see what. <laughs> title 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 town lounge on Sunday afternoon, guys. At twelve o'clock. Stay tuned for that. In the meantime, have a good rest of your night, everyone. Stay safe. The live show ends right now, and we will catch you all uh, next week, Monday. Monday night for our next episode of On Point Discussion. And of course, as we wrap up the show here, as tradition, Nick. Go Bears. Go Lions. Go Lions. <laughs> go Bears. And go White Sox. And go White Sox. Best uh, best team in the uh, in the AL. Don't go. Psych. No go. Psych. Green Day. Psych. 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 <laughs>